0: Welcome to the Mana Church Stafford Podcast, where we're all about equipping God's people to change their world. We are thankful you are here and pray this message encourages you to love God, love others, and love the world more fervently than before. Now, let's get to it. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Jake Johnson, I'm the pastor here. And um, one thing I did wanna add on the Multiply Conference, we believe so much that it, it would be a value to you to go to this conference, that Mana Church here in Stafford, we're actually gonna pay for your room while you're there. Um, we've got an Airbnb, rent it already, and if we have more people that, that, would, that would spill out of the Airbnb, we're gonna get hotel rooms for you. So we're gonna pay for your conference registration, and we're gonna pay for your, your room while you're down there. So just let us know, it's gonna be a great opportunity. You're gonna have a great time connecting with the people here, but also, you're gonna learn more about the multiply movement and just get fired up about the mission that God has us all on, amen? Amen, there we go, good. Well, out of the cave. So, I will start off by saying this. I'm, I'm generally a pretty balanced person. Um, actually, that's not, I, I'm probably not balanced, meaning like I go back and forth. I'm probably generally a pretty positive person. I, I I'm, more on the um, upside of my emotions. I'm up way, way, way more than I'm down. Um, when you consider some of the symptoms of depression, like isolation, things like that, I'm generally on the other side, I'm a people person. But the truth is, depression can still hit every single one of us. And depression can still come at me too. And I can think of two particular times in my life where, where this was such a huge issue for me, and we may talk more about him later on in the weeks, but I, I know um, when this issue rears its head, if, it, if you're anything like me, it can threaten to destroy all the good things that God has in your life and all the work that he's doing through you. It is, it is such a uh, vicious attack, and we really want you to, to, to be free because we want you to walk into all the good things that God has for you. And so I'm going to start off here by saying I am not a mental health professional. My wife is. But I'm not, and I don't think that they give licenses or degrees um, because of association. So I'm just gonna start off there. I'm not a mental health professional. Uh, But what I do believe is that we are fundamentally spiritual creations. So God gave us a body, he gave us a flesh, and whether you separate it into mind and body or it's just your body, we're we're either two-part beings or three-part beings, but the, the idea is your spirit is something that is going to continue forever. This body that you have will fail at some point, and at some point, God's actually gonna give you a new body, which is kinda cool. Not this series, but we'll we'll talk about that one of these days. But what we know is that when someone is physically sick, it can either be exacerbated or even caused by emotional distress and emotional problems that you have. Um, In fact, in the same way, your physical health can also be greatly positively influenced if you're an emotionally healthy person. We know that as well. So, you know, the, the body part of your flesh, you know, that's focused on satisfying the physical things. When it's in control, food is the number one thing, sensuality, comfort, avoidance of pain. When you let that drive the ship of your life, that's what you're gonna be focused on. When you let your mind control you, when, you know, that, that part of your flesh, um, you're gonna satisfy whatever you value the most, whether that's success, achievement, celebrity, Power, that's gonna be the driving force. How many of you know that your spirit can also have an impact on what it is you're doing on the other parts of you? That's a real thing, right, amen? And I would say this, that the spirit is the most important part of you. Um, If your spirit's not healthy, then nothing else in you can be truly healthy. And that actually is my job. My job is to strengthen your spirit. My job is to help you be equipped for every good work. And so that's what we're gonna focus on today because when your spirit is in control, it's gonna keep all the other parts of your flesh connected and it's gonna keep them in check. When your spirit's in control, the needs of the flesh, they're given their due. You don't don't starve yourself. You don't um, put yourself in a position where you're always impoverished. You can be successful, you can be healthy, you can be fit. The needs of the flesh are given their due. They're just not in charge anymore, amen? So Romans 8 says this, chapter, chapter eight, verse five and six, it says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. And one of the things that we say here, in fact, it's in our mission statement, is we exist to glorify God by equipping his people, that's you guys, to go out and change your world. So depression is something that disarms you. It's gonna take you out of the fight. It's gonna sideline you. And our goal here is we wanna get you back in the fight. We wanna get you out there. Because you have a well done that God's gonna say to you when you meet him one day and we want that to be the best, biggest, most full well done that you can hear. And that's part of my job is to make sure that you guys get there. And so uh, for the next four weeks, we're gonna speak on mental health as a whole and primarily depression. And anxiety, and, and I'll, I'll, I wanna give honor where it's due. We're taking a lot of this content from Church of the Highlands. They're one of the ARC partners. They're actually the first ARC church. Um, Pastor Chris Hodges, he wrote a book called Out of the Cave. That's what we titled and sort of branded the series on. It's gonna be a little different than their series. Um, but we're gonna talk this week about how you get in the cave of depression. Then next week, we're gonna talk about some tools that we need to use. Week three, we're actually gonna have Pastor Michael Fletcher here, which will be kind of cool. He's gonna give us a little bit of a standalone, but it's it's focused on hope. And then week four, I'm gonna teach you how we all get out of that cave. Amen. Great. Depression and anxiety, back to this. It can be almost crippling when when you when you're suffering through it. It's it's just so difficult, but we believe that God has a purpose to fulfill in and through our pain oftentimes. In fact, Rick Warren, he said it this way, your greatest ministry always flows from your greatest pain, and Rick Warren, he's a pretty smart guy, Saddleback Church, massive church, tons of success, tons of just uh, liberation for people who have been um, stuck in bondage, so um, I, think, I think he gets that right. You might not think mental health is a priority. Uh, I definitely have fallen into that trap before, But 2022, when it happened, I bet it made you think differently. So this is what happened in 2022. Calls to mental health hotlines went up 900%. That is a huge, huge bump. Divorce filings, up 26%. 25% of young adults, so think about the young adults in your life, 25% of them considered suicide during the COVID pandemic in, in 2020. Uh, 10% of actually all Americans considered suicide. So that means if you look around this room, what we got maybe 100 people total here, maybe more, I don't know. That means one out of every 10 people here considered suicide during the the COVID pandemic. That's huge. And maybe it wasn't that dire for you, maybe it didn't so go so far as to cause you to consider suicide, uh, but it could just lead you to derail you from your purpose. In fact, um, two other studies found during the pandemic that 38% of pastors considered resigning during COVID. That's crazy. Almost half of the pastors in America thought, you know, I should just quit my job. I should just stop shepherding people during the pandemic. That's so, so scary to me. So uh, mental illness hits one out of every nine people. They're on some sort of depression medication and one out of every five people have been on it at some point in their life, in fact, antidepressant use has gone up 300% since the beginning of 2020. And it just continues to get worse. In fact, depression has become the number one health concern in the world. It, it kills more people than cancer. It's that bad, it's that serious. So, which is why we're gonna talk about it, because we don't want it to take anybody here. And as Christians, what we can do a lot of times is we can fall into the trap of looking at mental illness or depression or anxiety um, which, which is a 100% a, a problem, but we can look at it as something that you just need to get right with Jesus. If you get right with Jesus, then that's just gonna fix everything. But isn't it funny how we don't look at any other illness that way? Like if you had the flu, I wouldn't come to you and say, well, if you just got right with Jesus, you wouldn't have the flu anymore. We would never think that, would we? In fact, with other sicknesses, the first thing that we consider is you should go see a doctor. Don't we say that? That, that, that's reasonable, it makes sense, you should go see a doctor. But with mental illnesses, we often look at it completely differently, and I gotta tell you, um, if you're sick, we're gonna pray for you, we're gonna encourage you. If you have a broken leg, or the flu, or COVID, or something crazy going on, cancer in your body, we're gonna lay hands on you and pray for you, and we believe Jesus can heal you. I'm also gonna tell you, you should go see a doctor. You should go see a doctor, that's wise. And with mental health issues, I would say, Sometimes you need to go see a therapist. Sometimes you might need to get on medication. That's a real thing, and that's okay. And in the church, we kind of think about this backwards, and the the thing is, there are real biological contributions that, that, that cause mental health issues like depression and anxiety, but if we allow biology to become the whole picture, we're gonna miss the real solutions because the Bible has some things to say about anxiety and depression. So depression is actually, it's not a malfunction of the mind. Depression is a signal. It's a, it's a fruit of something that's going on that's deeper. So it's a, it's a result. Does that make sense? So it's, it's telling us something. If you're depressed or you're anxious, you're not weak, you're not crazy, you're a human that has unmet needs in certain parts of your life. And this stigma that we have on mental illness, we, we, gotta, we gotta get rid of it, because we don't think poorly of someone when they get physically sick, do we? Like, we got a lot of people in here that wear glasses, don't we? A lot of people, anybody wear glasses? When you wear glasses, people don't look at you and think, oh my gosh, their eyes don't work right. <laughs> you don't think that, do you? That's ridiculous. But there is a stigma, oftentimes, when it comes to mental health issues, so when your mind isn't functioning right, we often can, can we don't, we don't wanna wear something that shows that. We have this stigma, we gotta get over that because we want people to get free. In fact, this is the only area where illness becomes your identity, isn't it? Like, we let it become our identity, and that's just, it's just not good, so, People, they, they make this mistake of thinking that it, it's your lot in life to just be depressed. It, it's like they're Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. Woe is me. You know, like that, that's just how he's gonna live. He's gonna be that way forever. Never gonna get better. But here's what you need to think. You need to think my illness is not my identity. Can we say that? My illness is not my identity. Let, let's see what the Bible has to say about it. Because here's the deal. God wants you to be free. We believe that, don't we? We believe that here. Freedom is why Jesus came. Galatians 5.1 says this. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. And here's the truth. This might surprise you. A lot of really great people of faith got depressed. In fact, there's one prophet named Jeremiah. We call him the weeping prophet. He has an entire book that's just him being Eeyore called Lamentations, and it's, it's inspired. It's the word of God, but the book is called Lamentations, and this is what it says. We'll just read a little bit of it here. Lamentations 3, 17, he says, I have been deprived of peace. Sounds like depression to me. I've forgotten what prosperity is. <sighs> you ever feel that way? So I say, my splendor is gone and all that I'd hoped for from the Lord. God, everything that God told me he was gonna give me, it's just everything I hoped for from him, it's all gone. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I'm thinking about all the bad stuff that ever happened to me. I will remember them and my soul is downcast within me. This is the Bible, y'all. This is a prophet. He was pretty depressed, wouldn't you agree? It's just, it's just real, Let's go to the New Testament, the Apostle Paul. Seems like he's a pretty energetic dude. 2 Corinthians 1.8, that's what he says. He says, we don't want you to be unaware, I wanna make sure you guys know about this brothers, of the affliction or the troubles that we experienced in Asia, but we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength or beyond our ability to endure that we despaired of life itself. Paul is saying, My life was so hard, I just wanted to be done with it all. He was one of those statistics, the one out of 10 people. We utterly despaired of life itself. These are biblical characters. So so we gotta remove that stigma and realize that the Bible does have something to say about depression. The Bible encountered, just like we saw sick people in the Bible who had broken bones, they were blind, Jesus came in and healed them. We got people that were legitimately emotionally wounded, they're emotionally broken. And so the Bible's gonna teach us some things. There's another great man that we're gonna spend a lot of our time talking about. In fact, that's where we get the whole metaphor of in the cave. Uh, This guy, he he is probably considered the greatest prophet in the Bible. His name's Elijah. Um, We would say he was one of the greatest prophets if not the greatest prophet because there were two people that were at the transfiguration of Jesus So it's where Jesus comes up on this mountain There's a couple guys there with him and then these other two guys show up who were dead a long time ago Or they at least weren't on earth a long time ago and they show up. It's Moses and Elijah They show up. He's a pretty important guy. Wouldn't we agree? Kind of a big deal so when we did our series on James, we actually talked about him a little bit. James five seventeen says this. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed fervently that it might not rain and for three years and six months it didn't rain on the earth. That's pretty powerful. You said a prayer and boom, drought hits for three and a half years. He prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. That's, again, just, just solidifying here, Elijah is a big deal. So if you get into the Bible, First Kings 18, it's right in the middle of this time. It's, it's right when this prayer is kind of happening in the middle of this three and a half, three and a half year thing. And so um, <clears throat> what has happened is there's been a drought because Elijah prayed for this drought. And I'm just gonna explain this part and we're gonna get into something else in First Kings 19. So there's all these prophets of, of Baal and Asherah. There's 850 of them. And he's outnumbered, 850 to one. He goes and he tells He tells his servant, he's like, listen, I'm gonna go meet the king, because everybody's looking for him, because they know that he was the source of the prayer that caused this drought to happen. So everybody's hunting for this guy. And so he tells his servant, hey, go find Ahab the king, tell him I'm gonna meet him, and tell him to bring all these prophets of this other God. So they meet on this mountain, and, and, and he tells them, let's just have a contest and see who's God's real. You guys pray to your God and I'll pray to my God and we'll see which one answers with fire from heaven. So in the middle of a drought, he tells them, go ahead and do this. So, so these prophets, they spend all day calling out to Baal and he just sits there. It's, it's kind of funny because he actually sits there and makes fun of them. He's like, maybe you should yell louder. Maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he can't hear you. It's kind of funny. They, they cut themselves until blood flows. Like they're doing everything they can and Baal doesn't answer so then Elijah comes and he's like, hey, here's what I want you to do. We're in the middle of a drought. I want, I'm gonna dig a trench. I'm gonna set up an altar the way we're supposed to. I'm gonna dig a trench around the altar. I'm gonna kill the animal, put it on there. I want you to go get a bunch of water. In a drought, I want you to dump it on this just so there's no spontaneous combustion. They dump it on it until it fills up the trench. He goes, you know, go do it again. They do it again. He goes, go do it one more time. Three times they, they cover this thing in water and then he just prays. He's like, God, Answer from heaven with fire. Fire comes down from heaven, consumes the offering, licks up all the water in the trench around it, and then what happens is Elijah whoops it on, and they go and they kill all the 850 prophets of the bad guys. And and this is is a national turning. It's like a national revival of a turning back to God. It was a serious, serious time. Huge victory. You would think after that, he's gonna be like, yeah, man, can't nothing stop me. You would think that, right? Here's what happens. 1 Kings 19, verses one through four. Now Ahab told Jezebel, Ahab tells his evil wife Jezebel, everything Elijah had done, how he killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like one of them. And this bold man of God was afraid and ran for his life. Isn't that interesting? immediately he turns to fear. He's fearless for three and a half years, okay? And here's the thing, she didn't send an assassin, she sent a messenger. She didn't send someone to kill him, she didn't send someone to scare him. And this mighty man of God runs away and hides. This is what happens when we let our flesh take control. This is the result. When we, when we don't listen to the spirit and we listen to the flesh, it says, when he came to Beersheba in Judah, Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat under it, and he prayed that he might die. Super high, now he's super low. And I, I'm gonna be just serious for a second. Some of you have prayed this prayer. You know it, and I'm not trying to single anybody out in here. Some of you have prayed this prayer. You have been at a point where you are just at a low point in your life, whether it made sense or not in the aftermath, and you have prayed like, God, just take me. I just wanna be done with this. I'm over it. Elijah prayed this. He said, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, I'm no better than my ancestors. Elijah, he did some things that got him in the cave. We're gonna talk about those things today. One of the most important things that I think we can take from this is found back in that verse in James. And it's the very beginning of it. We just kinda skip right over it. But if you go back to James chapter five, it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. All this amazing stuff he did and this great low he felt, you know why? Because he's a guy, he's a dude, he's a human. And sometimes, as humans, we go through low points, and he's at a very, very low point. So, so this, is, this is a human condition. So it's important to, to, to just kinda relate to him and be like, yeah, th- this happens. So let, let, let's talk about how we actually end up in the cave. How do we get there? So if you look at the factors that cause depression, there are nine of them that, that, that researchers say, I don't have time to kinda go over all of them. What's interesting is that of all those factors, there are seven of them that are are psychological or I'm, I'm sorry' they're, they're, they're social, and Elijah did at least six of them, and there are only two that are actually in your body they're due to, due to brains due to your brain or your genetics. there's only two that are like that. all the other ones are circumstantial, and they lead to depression. We can affect those. We can't always affect the body without medication, without treatment, but we can affect the other factors amen so let's so let's talk about that so most of the reasons are because of our lifestyles. We're doing all this to ourselves, And since it's a disease of the lifestyle, we gotta change our lifestyle. And no uh, amount of medication, no amount of counseling, in fact, no amount of scripture by itself can do it alone. You, you need to put these things together. And I'm gonna give you six things that are adding to the depression. And I want you to listen to each one of these and see if any of them resonate with you. If you're like, man, I've kinda been feeling low and this might be the reason I'm feeling low. Number one is life imbalances. Uh, The author Joni Harry in Lost Connections said this, we need to talk less about chemical imbalance and more about imbalances in the way that we live. So more and more research is pointing to the fact that our lifestyles are the main factor that cause our depression. If you notice with Elijah, this depression came right after two huge spiritual victories. It was like, it was super intense. It was a big, big time. Here's the deal, I bet he was exhausted. How many of you know we're not our best when we're tired? In fact, a little acronym I learned when I was a kid was HALT, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. When, you're, when you have those four things going on, you're just so prone to sin. And Elijah, he had this big uptime. And for us as people, in fact, one, one of the things that, that pastors have warned me about is they said, Jake, watch yourself on Sundays. I'm like, why? So on Sundays, Pastor Chris even talks about this. It says watch yourself on Sunday because on Sundays you have a big high. It's it's an emotional high. You're you're, you're fighting to see people freed and liberated and what goes up must come down. It's like a pendulum. So sometimes you have these really big high moments and you're just gonna swing back hard. That's what happened to Elijah. He swang back really, really hard. But the thing is, we're always so hungry for success. We're always so hungry for the highs. We're, we're chasing after that, and we're not ready for, the, for the, the backswing. Research has shown that depression is more prevalent for the type of lifestyle that has just become normal in our society. Author Stephen Elardi said this in The Depression Cure. He said, we were never designed for the sedentary, just like sitting, sitting down, not moving, indoors, socially isolated, Fast food laden, sleep deprived, frenzied pace of modern life. We weren't designed for that. Our bodies aren't made for it. Our minds, our spirit, none of it was made for that. So, what do we have to do? We got to order our lives. We got we to watch the pace of our lives. Ecclesiastes 4 says this Better is a handful with quietness than two hands full with toiling and a chasing after the wind. He said, It's better to just have one handful. I know you have two hands. Look, like I got two hands, why can't I get two handfuls? I wanna go get that money, I wanna go get that success, I wanna go chase after that. And, and what, what the author here is saying is, it's better to just have one handful and not be chasing things than to have two handfuls and to be constantly moving and running and pursuing. It's, it's, it's legitimately better. And some of you know that, some of you have learned that the hard way, that there's this lifestyle rhythm that leads to success and worldly pleasures, but it burdens your soul because the pace is un, you can't maintain it, it's not sustainable. And some of the reason we chase two hands full is related to the second way that we get into the cave, and that is with comparing ourselves to others. Elijah actually said this, he did this. He said, I'm no better than my ancestors. Such a weird thing to say. Why was he even comparing himself to these people? It didn't make sense, but he compared himself and that made him feel more depressed. He saw he was being pursued and he's like, I'm no better than all these other people. I'm no better than my ancestors. Just kill me now. It just took over. And this is one of the biggest issues that we deal with on a daily basis. Social media has just spread this like a virus to everybody. Teddy Roosevelt said this, it's true. He said, comparison is the thief of joy. One of my favorite movies, The Count of Monte Cristo, if you guys remember it, the, the whole issue was that the main character, he, he was poor and his friend, friend, was very, very wealthy. And there's this one part where the woman that they're pursuing, she identifies the problem with, with the friend. She said, you know what? I remember a birthday where you got a pony and he just got this little like, toy trinket, and he was so happy with his trinket, and you were dissatisfied with your pony, not because it wasn't great, but because you couldn't believe how satisfied he was with that, because you were comparing. You had this great thing you had over here, and you were comparing it to his, and that made you dissatisfied in your heart, and that causes all this problem. It's a great story. You should read it one time. We know this to be true, though. We know that comparison just robs us of joy. We look at people's highlight reels, and we think, man, why can't my life be more like that? Why can't I go on vacation? Why can't can't my kids be smiling like that? Every time I try to take a picture of my kids, they're all screaming and pulling each other's hair. They had such great family photos. What a great vacation. Oh, they got a promotion. I wish I would get promoted. Look at their, they're doing yard work. Man, their yard looks really nice. My yard looks like trash. Like everything, we just compare it. It's ridiculous, but that's what we do. Galatians 6, four and five says this, each one should test their own actions. They can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else for each one should carry their own load. I told you, the Bible has some things to say about how we can avoid being depressed, doesn't it? Test your own stuff, worry about yourself. My kids do this all the time and this is probably not nice, but I probably shouldn't say this. My kids will say stuff to me, they'll be like, why did you give that to them and you didn't give it to me? And sometimes flippantly I'll say, well it's because I love them more. You can laugh, that's a joke. And then I look at them and I'm like, you know that's ridiculous, don't you? And they're like, yes, I'm like, don't worry about them. I'm giving them what I wanna give them and I will give you what I wanna give you. You guys are different, I'm gonna treat you differently. And the thing is, God treats each one of us differently. We need to worry about ourselves, not worry about what our neighbors got. In fact, There's a a word that Pastor Chris says when, when he talks about this. He says, somebody shared it with him. He said, we need to practice selective ignorance. We spend a lot of time focusing on information that we need to know. We need to spend some time focusing on information that we don't need to know. It does not matter what kind of food your neighbor eats at their cookout, does it? It does not matter if they went and did a double date with some friends and you weren't invited. It doesn't really matter. It's okay, they can do that. They're allowed to have other friends. Doesn't matter if they went on a vacation. You can practice selective ignorance. You can do that. Just decide, I'm just gonna be ignorant about some things because I don't need to compare. I don't need to covet. I don't need to envy. Another thing that we deal with that puts us in the cave is called ruminating and self-talk. If you're like me, you have this really loud inner critic it's always going, constantly talking, will not shut up. Like immediately after this sermon, I'll be thinking, could I have said that differently? Should I have said that differently? This is what Elijah did, he got alone in his thoughts and the thing is, the story just got worse after that. He said, I'm the only one left. That wasn't true though, was it? He believed a lie. We know from the resolution of the story that there were a bunch of people who, who, who were still pursuing God. Ruminating talk is when you go back over the things you said and you just revisit them. You analyze the statements, you analyze the facial expressions and what happens with rumination is it doesn't get better, it actually gets worse. A a cow, a cow is called a ruminating animal because it chews the cud. A cow has a bunch of stomachs and what it does is it throws up the food that it's already eaten, it's consumed it, it vomits it back up and it ruminates on it. It chews it. You know it doesn't, and then it swallows it, and then it comes back up again and does it again. You know it doesn't get to better tasting. It can't taste better when it, when it comes back up, but it continues to chew on it and spit it back down and spit it back up. Isn't that what we do, though, with this negative self-talk? We talk to ourselves, and it don't get better. You just Sometimes you just gotta move on, y'all. Just move on. You're, you're, there, there are times where I went back to people and I said, "Hey, I'm." Um, and I was thinking about this thing I said to you, and and I said this, and I'm, I apologize. You might have taken it wrong, and they're like, "I didn't remember that." I said what? And I spent all this mental bandwidth, this emotional energy that I have very little of, by the way, and I should preserve it for you guys. I should preserve it for my family. And I'm spending it, ruminating over something that somebody else doesn't even care about. But those thoughts, they just don't get better. Just keep thinking about them, keep thinking about them, keep thinking about them, and when we overthink or we obsess about situations in life, that's what we're doing. The devil loves to show up when we self-talk. That's why the Bible teaches that we need to take our thoughts captive. Put them things in prison, take them captive. Show them where they belong and leave them there. Brian Tracy said this, he said 95% of your emotions are determined by the way that you talk to yourself. Isn't that interesting? Philippians says this finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just. I wanna go back. Whatever is true. I think a lot of times we fill in the blanks with speculation. We make assumptions. Whatever is true. Think about that. Whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, Think about these things and the God of peace will be with you. If you can control your mind, you can control your life. And the best solution is actually to process things. If you got something heavy, process it with someone else that you trust. Call them and talk through it with them. That's way better than just sitting in your own head and getting trapped in there. Number four, this is a big one, the inability to process pain in a healthy way. Life is hard, y'all. It is. We all have bad days, every single one of us. In fact, Jesus said this, in this world, you will have trouble. So Jesus told us there's gonna be tough times. He said, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. So we gotta be able to process pain. Even believers have bad days, and every single one of us medicate. We all medicate one way or another. In fact, Um, The Washington Post said this, during the full quarantine in 2020, overdoses jumped nationally by 18% in March, 29% in April, and 42% in May. Overdoses, boom, boom, boom. Everybody was over-medicating themselves. And for you, it might not be actually uh, medicating something like like a drug. It may be binge eating. It may be binge watching TV. It's just you're trying to escape you're trying to find something to just give you a little bit of peace. Just quiet down what's going on in your head. There was, a, um, there was a, a, a Jewish psychiatrist in Austria. His name was Viktor Frankl, and he wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. And what he said was, he thought Sigmund Freud's theory was wrong. Uh, he believed that life wasn't about pleasure. That's what Freud believed. He believed that life was about meaning. And so when you don't have any meaning, what you do is you will dull yourself with pleasure. That's what you do, you'll, you'll sort of anesthetize the pain. And so after World War II, Dr. Frankel, he worked with suicidal patients in Vienna, and these were the ones that came from concentration camps. Every single one of them was suicidal. And so he created this therapy, he called it logotherapy, and he cre- it, was, it was three parts that he gave to him. One was meaningful work when they're dealing with all this depression and frustration and and they have a pain they're trying to process, meaningful work. Do it with a community of people. And then find a reason and a purpose for the suffering that you're in. Those three things, he felt like that that actually solved it. In fact, not a single one of his patients committed suicide. And can I just offer to you that meaningful work, we do some meaningful work here, and I'm not saying that because we need a massive serve team, but we do it with a community of people. And it does make a difference. This year, we've had 26 people. I was telling some people the other day. This year, 2023, we've had 26 people make a decision to to turn their life over to Jesus. We've we've had 18 outreaches already this year. Those are meaningful things, and we do them together. We do them as a body. There's other meaningful work you do. And again, it's not because I want something from you. I want it for you. I want you to be well, to be healthy, to walk into your well done before Jesus. It's good stuff. So take whatever suffering you experience and find the positive in it. 2 Corinthians 1 says this, God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. God gives us comfort when we went through some just bad stuff so we can use that and bless other people. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we're distressed, if, if Paul's saying if we're distressed, it's for your comfort. So I'm suffering but I know that there's a meaning and a purpose in it. It's for your comfort and your salvation. If we're comforted, it's for your comfort which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. There is purpose in your pain. One of the best examples of this is actually uh, Jane Markzewski. If you guys remember America's Got Talent, if you guys ever watch it, you may or may not know Jane, but um, she, she found purpose in her pain. She came on the show and they'd go through this thing at the beginning where they kinda interview them, they ask them some questions, they're asking about her work, and it actually led her to share that she hasn't worked for a while because she has cancer that she's been fighting. And they're really apologetic, and what they say to her you know, is, is really kind, and she says, it's okay, though, it's okay. I got cancer, but it's, it's okay. And during a follow-up question, she tells them that it's all over her body. It's in her lungs, it's in her liver, it's in her spine, and she's actually only got a 2% chance of survival. And Howie, the the bald guy, looks like me, he responds and he says, wow, so you're actually not okay, are you? And I love what she says back to him. She says, well, I think it's important that everyone knows I'm so much more than just the bad things that happened to me. She found a purpose in that. And her story, it didn't dismiss the pain that she felt. There was real pain there. In fact, in the song she sings in the chorus, I love what she says, she says, it's okay, it's okay. If you're lost, we're all a little lost and it's okay. It's all right to be lost sometimes in the bridge. And Jane used her pain to find purpose. She didn't ignore it, and she also didn't let it define her. In fact, the last quote during her exit says it all. She tells the judges, you can't wait until life isn't hard anymore for for you to decide to be happy. So powerful. She actually went on to CNN and and did an interview. In fact, um, Jane, she got the golden buzzers you guys probably saw there. Um, She died before she was able to go on to the finale, passed away. But she found purpose in her pain. And she was a believer, she loved Jesus. And her story is actually way more diverse. Her her husband divorced her two days after they found her cancer had came back. I mean, it was was just really a lot of brokenness. She had a lot of reasons to give up, but she just kept going. She said, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Your, Your life experience doesn't disqualify you. In fact, it does the opposite it qualifies you to help someone else with the same issues. Number five, fifth reason that contributes, thing that contributes to us getting in the cave is isolation and loneliness. The first problem that we see in the Bible, it actually wasn't sin, it was solitude. The first thing God said that wasn't good was, he said, oh man's alone, that's not good. The first problem we see with creation is solitude. And if you look at Elijah's story, what it says is he left his servant there and he went on into the wilderness. Bad idea. Do not isolate yourself. It's not good for you to be alone. Isolation and loneliness affects more than one third of all adults and more than half of young people. Even though we're so socially connected, we're actually not connected. Remote learning during COVID, online services, it wasn't good for students and it wasn't good for the church. We knew that, we, we realized. We knew it when it was happening, but now we're seeing it even more. Romans 12, five says this. Since we're all one body in Christ, we belong to each other and each of us needs all the others. We need each other. The person that's sitting beside you, you need them. And guess what, they need you. If, if, you, if you don't feel like you need them, that's okay. Maybe, maybe they need you. You can find some purpose there. And and there's a way that they need you though. Don't make the mistake I did. There's there's some things that um, Pastor Chris put in his book that I just felt so convicted. I actually read them to my wife because he gave a list of things not to say when someone's struggling with depression. He said, just a few of them. He said, the try harder. Come on now, you can snap out of this. Just try a little harder. I'm sure you'll feel better in no time. I've said that before. Disbelieving. You're depressed, but you're always smiling. You seem so positive. How can you be depressed? Over-spiritualizing. Ooh, this is a hard one. So what does your quiet time look like right now? Maybe you are not spending enough time reading the Bible. Maybe you should just wake up earlier and just pray a little bit more. Or deflecting. But you have so much to be thankful for. Just look at all the blessings in your life. Minimizing. Well, I'm sure you feel bad, but honestly, it could be so much worse. You just need to get out of your head and stop thinking about it so much. Criticizing, you're just being way too hard on yourself. Just relax, don't be such a perfectionist. Or comparing, this might be hard for you, but have you ever thought about people who are suffering so much bigger losses? They make it, why can't you? Redirecting, this one. Oh, the narcissist would say this. wow. I wish I had your problems. That's nothing compared to what I've been going through. Any of you ever been comforted like that? Oh, it's just the worst. Let me give you some alternatives to replace it with. Commit that I'm here to sit with you wherever you are right now. I'm gonna sit and I'm gonna listen to you no matter what you're facing or connecting with them. No matter how alone you feel, I care about you. I want you to know you're not alone. Accept them. I care about what's going on in your life. Don't hold back. I'm here no matter what. Listening. This is a good one. It's a hard one too, men. If you can, please tell me what it feels like. I wanna listen and understand more of what this is like for you. It's so important and it is so difficult to do when we don't get it. Or be trustworthy. I like to know what it's going on and I promise to keep it confidential. You can trust me if you need to confide in someone. I'm not here to judge I'm here to show you I care about you. These are the kinds of things that we need to be sharing. These are the kinds of things that we're gonna use to to help people when they're stuck in that cave. The sixth thing, and this is the one that that gets forgotten, but I think that it's the one that that therapists would not necessarily focus on. The sixth thing that gets you in the cave is spiritual warfare. Here's the reality, is we are... Human beings, and we're, we're, we're having a, a temporary flesh experience. that's gonna be transformed and transitioned to something else in the future. But our spirit, we exist in a spiritual dimension. And there's a spiritual battle that is waging all around us. And there's an enemy who hates you because you were made in the image of God in a way that he was not. And he wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. So I'm gonna ask you this question if I were to tell you that today that somebody has a key to your house, they have a key, and they're actually gonna attack today. They're coming in, and they're, they're not a good person either. They're a really, really bad guy. And they're gonna come in. They're strong. They're powerful. And they're gonna come in. They're gonna attack you. And they're going to harm your family tonight. If I told you that, what length would you be willing to go to to ensure the protection of your family. You you would be armed to the gills. You'd be willing to stay up all night probably, wouldn't you? Because it's that important. You, You don't wanna let the people that you love get harmed. Here's the deal, the devil's a bad guy. He wants to hurt you, he does. He is always attacking and he's got friends and they're attacking all the time. They're constantly attacking you. 1 Peter 5, eight through nine says this, be self-controlled and alert. Be alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Can, can the prayer team, can you guys come forward just and stand over here on the sides? If you And worship team, you guys can come forward now too. The enemy, he, he's out there like a roaring lion. He wants to hurt you. He is working much harder, I think, to destroy us than we are to keep him from destroying us. That's what's scary. And we just become accustomed to these attacks. Like we're getting shot at from all directions and we're wounded and we don't even realize it because it's just a pain that we've gotten used to. We just shrug it off and just kinda carry on business as usual. But Ephesians six tells us this, he says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The bottom line is God has given us authority, amen? God has given us authority that we can take over the enemy but you gotta use it, you gotta use it. And so today, I I know that some of you, again, just statistically, I know that there are people in here who have contemplated suicide. There are people here who are struggling right now with depression. Like, it's it's a real thing, you feel it. Or maybe you feel the pressure starting to build. You feel it starting to build and you know that the wave is coming and it's gonna take over. I mean, statistically, some of you probably took medication this morning before you came to church. That's okay. I wanna tell you, there's more to your healing than just that and, and there, there, there are answers and so today can we just stand real quick can we stand what we're gonna do as we close out today is we're gonna we're gonna worship and we're gonna sing the song I speak Jesus we're gonna speak Jesus over these problems but I want you to do more than that Do not leave here if, if you have if you have something going on if you have an issue do not leave here without coming forward and receiving prayer. Again, it would be it would be such a shame, and I'm not I'm not trying to like guilt you in or. In fact, I was praying about this this morning. I was like, God, like I really really want people to respond today, not not because I I get anything out of it. Like, it doesn't it doesn't change in me if you come forward or not. But man, I want something for you so bad, and I know the enemy wants you to be enslaved in bondage so much, and I just want that for you. So if you could do me a favor, if that's you. Our prayer team's here. The French is Mike and Mary, they're here. Danielle and I are here. We would love to just pray over you. And in fact, you don't even have to talk to anybody. Just come down. We're gonna sing this song. I just want you to come down and worship down here down front. And we're just gonna pray over you. We're gonna pray peace over you. We're gonna pray healing over you. We're gonna pray life over you. We're gonna speak Jesus over you. Amen? Can we do that? Just be be bold. Come receive what God has for you. Thank you for listening to the Mana Church Stafford podcast. If you would like to connect with us, you can find us on the web at manastafford.church or download the Mana Church app. To listen to our new episodes as they become available, make sure to subscribe to our podcast. We would also love to meet you in person. If you are local, our services take place each Sunday at 10 a.m. We pray you have a blessed week, and we will see you next time.